This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Yeah, we're not going to be able to really do the, the podcast until should, Levi should gets be. done eating this damn granola bar. Because <laughs> From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats. You're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. Come on. It's uh, it's season six, and we're still letting Kyler do the intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's season six of the Louisiana Bowhunter podcast, and uh, it's welcome uh, back. Welcome back. Me and Colin and Levi are here, and we're uh, we're gonna kick this season six off here with episode one, and. Uh, what you guys been up to? I mean, I know what y'all been up to. For, for, but, but for podcast sake, what do y'all been up to? <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of traveling. Had a pretty busy summer, and we've kind of just uh, kind of rolled that busy my busy summer into busy getting ready for hunting season in multiple different states. You know, just that time of the year. So, yeah, where I'm at. Levi, how's uh how dry is your swamp? I am. Um, it is. It is. It's I don't dr- know if I've I dry as you've ever seen it. Memory. As dry as you've ever seen it. We've had a little bit more rain over where our place is than I have where I live. Uh, I can't recall it being as hot as it's been for as long as it has without rain. I mean, it is. Yes, me yeah. what I've been doing, freaking sweating. <laughs> you you wake up, you're just you walk outside, it's like turning your oven on and just walking into it. It's been horrible. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's uh I mean I know y'all have more seasons under y'all's belt than I do, but I can't remember a, a summer leading into those season that's like been like this before. I mean I have yeah. trees that are dead. <clears throat> trees yeah. are dead. Leaves are falling. Yeah, it looks like uh, end of October or something in my outside. Like between the the grass and the leaves that are are I, I guess drying up and falling. I don't. I, I agree with it. I don't recall. I mean, temperatures getting this high, yes, but getting this high for weeks at a time, and I it's because it, it it's got to be. I've kind of made the joke um in years past is about the rain because it's usually the other way it usually rains every day right and so yeah. i've always been like you know 
I hate the rain every day. It's just kind of a depressing sort of thing. But at the same time, if it didn't rain at 2 o'clock every afternoon, we would internally combust because it's so damn hot. And so now we're finding out what it's like when it doesn't rain every day because it never cools off. It just stays. I don't know. I, I'm obviously well, the, the state. The state is literally combusting. Like there's fires everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I am a amateur meteorologist and all, but uh, <laughs> it just it it has to be right. Like because even today it rained yesterday, and it rained today at my house, and after the rain. It's like a normal summer kind of weather temperature. And it, we were, you know, typically in the south, in much of the south, at least three or four times a week, we get that afternoon rain and it kind of, this cycle. But I wonder, uh, as far as, you know, hunting season coming, like what is a, what, what effect is this going to have? I mean, certainly the acorn crop has got to suffer, right? I mean, if the grass can't grow, for the last month and a half, then what is that doing, you know, for that? And so then what does that look like for early and then on into the middle of the season? Uh, those are the questions that run through my mind. And then I I think, well, I guess uh, the, Bad, the food, uh, food plots and supplemental feeding and all that kind of stuff is going to be good this year. It means they're going to be hitting them corn piles. <laughs> well, and now we're in an economic recession, and corn costs you an arm and a leg. It's just like nature takes care of itself, I guess, one way or the other. But what yeah, that ain't gonna stop people. Think. Man, if you're a corn farmer, you that ain't gonna stop people from buying it. Uh, but I don't know. What is your, what is y'all opinion? I think our brows. Are we gonna see antler? You know, during the antler growing season, it's been dry and really, really hot. That's got to have. It's got to apply stress to the animals. I mean, well, they're living in that. I'm trying. How long would you say this drought's been going? I mean, a lot of these deer are pretty much done growing. So was it was it this bad like a month ago? Yeah, two months I, I ago? think it was. I think it's been at least a. I mean, so we're recording this on August the 26th. Uh. And. It just rained yesterday afternoon very little. It rained decent today here where I'm at in southeastern Louisiana. And Collins down here too. Um, it's been at least a month without any significant yeah. water. At least a month. And I I mean, I don't know. I remember, I remember I was in the first week of August. I was in Michigan. And I remember my dad texting me saying that, it had hit like over a hundred for like nine days in a row while I was gone. And that was the beginning of August. So I think it started at almost a month. I think it pretty much started middle of July. And I, I don't, what, what about North Louisiana, Levi? You're the North Louisiana correspondent. Mm, I mean, it's been, it has been hot and dry for weeks on end. I mean, the only time in recent memory, I guess it was, I say recent memory, it was, 2011 we were in texas building a rail spur to haul rock in on and it was over 100 for 27 straight days i remember that but that's in texas mm-hmm. well, we're, we're in a damn texas, swamp so it's close <laughs> we're not in a swamp right now <laughs> but it's a. Uh, it's been really hot and really dry where i live it's it we had a, I guess a, I say a decent spring over there where our place is. It was, they weren't able to plant the rice fields over there. They had to plant them with an airplane if the rice fields were still too wet. So, hmm. they got a little bit more rain. I honestly have not looked or followed up on the actual rain totals this year, but I know the past month or so it's been horrible. So, yeah. So, since we suspect the acorn crop will be wor a lot worse this year. Does that make it easier to hunt them if you can find one? I mean, maybe. Uh, my opinion, they'll probably. You always hear people say, and I think it's there's some truth to it that they'll drop. They'll probably just start dropping early. They'll start shedding acorns early. So I got I got acorns in my yard. I was shooting my bow earlier today and. 
just for the first time I've noticed just walking out there to the target, there was some uh, pin oak. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, we've had a couple, we've had a couple big rain events yesterday and today, and with wind. So I mean, my power's gone out. It was windy enough for that. So I mean, it may just be blowing them off the trees, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think Colin. I, I for some like, is it going to make them easier? I mean, I think. There's a period of time where, I mean, we're already kind of there with the drought conditions, but when the browse dries up, like with the fall coming, the shorter days and everything, if there's no acorns, the, you know, deer are going to move. They're going to have to move further to find food. So I guess if you're providing that food, it's going to improve things. Um, If you're not, it's probably not going to be easier to hunt them because they're probably going to be on your neighbors. You know, or somewhere yeah, down yeah, the road I, looking I for food. I would expect people that, especially towards the end of the season, they'll be, if you if you hunt over corn or something, I imagine that'll be, you'll have a lot of success doing that late in the year probably. Now, where we're hunting, you can't feed it all. So, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> food plots? You just, just you invest yep, more in your food it. plots, right? That's uh, it. I think... Well, Find what little cover you can and get around it and get close. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll probably touch on this so, a little bit, but, you know, Colin and I are managing a piece of property in Oklahoma, and the hogs are just as bad there as they are down here. I think they're worse. They might be worse, but either way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I on, didn't Colin. think it was possible, but, oh, my gosh, if you open our the app, the camera app, you can just look for you can just look at pigs yeah it, 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 like by the hundreds there's a lot of pigs but you know i mean that you know a lot of people are in the south or deal with that so i honestly supplemental feeding is getting more and more difficult because of pigs i mean i'm i'm in east feliciana parish and i am extremely cautious and kind of calculated about how i feed anything either preseason for camera inventory or during the season um i'm i I pay a lot of attention just simply because if i just go and do a full-scale supplemental feeding plan on my 400 acres it's going to be so many damn hogs uh it's going to cause me all kind of problems so i'm already having to do that so i have in the last couple years like focused on my food plots more i planted over the summer the last couple summers for for that and not because it's just you know so if you're in that situation you know and then levi how big is that area of the state where you can't feed i really don't know um i honestly would have to look it up i I know tensaw i've heard like three or four different things there was a guy i met last year I thought the whole thing was banned, Tinsaw and Madison and maybe like another one other parish over there. And I had a guy was randomly, I went up to the, uh, to the case tractor place in Tallulah and, uh, he was like, Oh no, if you're hunting east of, uh, 65, you can still feed or something like that. And I was like, uh, I didn't want to like start an argument, but I was like, I don't think so. But, <laughs> Yeah. I'm not gonna tell you because I don't know for sure, but yeah, yeah. Well, so. I I think that uh, I think we're definitely gonna see significant effects, and I think it'll be different for different people. You know, uh, not just because some places got more rain than others, but I just mean the makeup of your property and how you manage it. You know, I mean. It's going to be yeah. different than year. Yeah, all, yeah, just simply saying, it's just going to be it. There, I don't know. I don't know how to predict what the effect of this summer is going to have. But I, I, I can just, I do feel comfortable saying that there, it's going to be different, good, bad, or in between. It's going to be different, and figuring that out as quickly as you can is probably, you know, one of the biggest keys in my opinion. Yeah, they. uh I know I think y'all both saw it, but supposedly there's this new pig poison out 
are coming they've out. They've been saying, I told you this the other day, they've been saying this for like <laughs> three years and then it never comes out. But I'm interested in what you've heard recently. Well, we have to say they got we it have to, Yeah. That's what they said. Now We have to cross our fingers. Yeah, I guess the, you know, I guess the passing it through the legislature or whatever, who knows how long that would freaking take. You know, it might be five years before they ever get it passed or whatever. You know, I, I think. Got, go ahead. I was just going to say, I got, I wouldn't say I got mixed feelings about it. I'm just a little bit terrified. I know they've been testing it and if it works mm-hmm. great, you know, they can help control the pigs. But what if somehow that thing, that poison gets in nature, somehow it mutates and then it starts killing the deer? I, I just, po- poison like, is just scary. Like, like yeah, COVID, yeah. COVID for the deer? I don't know, dude. It's just deer get I'm COVID. A, so do tigers. Remember? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, I saw the thing I read was you saw that they have tested it on other animals or not. I I thought I saw I that not. they. I think the article I read said that they had done the patent, but they were looking to start testing it on in places with and see the the effect of other wildlife and all this, but. You know what the beautiful thing is, is that we're doing this on the internet, so why don't I just look it up? Toxic. <laughs> toxic we bait. We posted the... Uh, this, yeah, it's the link. Link. This is This is from the, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Questions and answers about sodium nitrate toxic bait for feral swine. Why do we need it? I don't think we need to answer that. What is sodium nitrate? A meat preservative commonly used to cure meat, such as sausage and bacon, when eaten in high doses over a short period, is toxic to feral swine. How does it work? Hmm. An overdose of sodium nitrate reduces the ability of blood to transfer oxygen to tissues, a condition known as methemoglobinemia. Something. <laughs> the mode of death is similar to carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, so they get to go peacefully. How sweet. Once enough, <laughs> once enough sodium nitrate bait is eaten, the feral swine gets faint, is rendered unconscious, and quickly dies. In most cases, feral swine die within two and a half to three hours after eating a lethal dose. How is the toxin? About other animals on there? I'm, I'm, well, okay, yeah, that's going to be the next question, but let me, we're just going to follow this. Great podcast material. Okay. How, to, how is the toxin delivered? A micro encapsulation coating is placed around a sodium nitrate prior to manufacturing the feral swine bait. This helps to protect sodium nitrate from breaking down, hides its odor and salty flavor. I don't think they would care. They like everything flavor wise. It's mixed yes. with an oil-based peanut paste to attract feral swine and prove stability. The microencapsulation coating rapidly dissolves once eaten, allowing that active ingredient to enter the bloodstream. Studies using bait with 10% sodium nitrate have resulted in feral swine mortality rates as high as 95%. I'm in. Approximately one-third pound of bait of this concentrate is lethal to a 70-pound pig. Hmm. Okay, so what is, what are the risk of not, what are the risk to non-target species, scavengers, and the environment? Many factors are considered when developing a toxic bait. Not only must it be effective and humane in eliminating the swine, but also low risk for those handling it, the environment, and wildlife. Other wildlife such as raccoons, bears, deer, may be attracted to the bait. Sodium nitrate can be toxic to other animals if eaten at high amounts over a short period of time. To prevent other species from accessing the bait, the NWRC, scientists are developing a testing swine-specific delivery system and baiting strategies. Okay. Uh, See, that's already scares me a little bit because it's peanut. Yeah. It's peanut flavored. Deer's going to like it. It sounds like so. if anything, anything eats sodium nitrate at a high rate in a short period of time it has a, a, a poisoning effect in the bloodstream um yeah I don't know. so there was 
a um I think the Wise Eye camera company. That same company had developed something, I think. I'm almost positive of this. This was years back and they were working with it with the government with it in in a way of identification technology so basically you could turn your feeder on and off based off what approached the feeder so you could either turn it off so you you know when it saw a pig or turn it on when you saw a pig and the idea was to use that technology to not let deer eat it keep the feeder only accessible to pigs through this recognition it's the same facial recognition technology that a lot of game camera companies are using when you can filter in your app uh, yeah, you know whether it's a buck or a doe or a coyote or whatever technology you you know it analyzes the picture. So I know that was happening, but that's been three or four years ago. I think I heard about that. And that's a local Louisiana-based company as well. So anyway, um, so we digressed into hogs, but it it, said, it does say I, I wish I. This was written... Oh, crap. This was written in January of 2018. Yeah, I'm trying to find... So it says not a lot. It's not available um, for the use. One, the article I saw was from LSU. Um, and it says... Is that the one we posted, Colin? I think. It says... This is what they claim. According to its inventors doesn't pose harm to the environment or other wildlife. Yeah, but according to like the makers of oxycodone, <laughs> it wasn't a, according <laughs> yeah. to the pharmaceutical people that made oxycodone, it wasn't addictive either. Yeah, yeah, it's no harm as long as you don't yeah. eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that that yeah, that, I don't know. I think long story short, it's just very uh it's very risky to put poison I mean, yeah. you know, I mean. Surely yeah. there's some enclosed facility where, testing facility that they could put, I mean, they have hogs and deer in and they could do it in there before they. Buzzard Roost Saddles made right here in the great state of Louisiana should be on every Louisiana bow hunters list as a must have in their hunting arsenal. Buzzard Roost Saddles achieves comfort through adjustability for those long day sets during the rut and also provides the maneuverability to get up and move when you see the need. Buzzard Roost Saddles was created with the need to lighten the Piro as well as the backpack to go deeper than everyone else. Louisiana bow hunters are a mixed bag and Buzzard Roost Saddles is the tool to fit any job. Whether it's public land, private land, hardwoods, pines, or even the bottomless swamps, Buzzard Roost Saddles has what you need to stay mobile. Yeah. Start. I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot of spikes running around that, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be the end of the world. So <laughs> The insurance company would appreciate that. Come on, Colin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Can't eat them horns. No, you, you know can't. What I'm you, you can't eat the deer either if he, <laughs> he's <laughs> poisoned. Yeah. <laughs> or, you, or you shouldn't eat the deer anyway if he's been poisoned. All right. So, anyway, so – um. Moving on from that, and just uh, really, this like I said, this is season six, and this is our first episode, and you know we'll be releasing episodes weekly from now to February, uh, just like we do every year. And um, as far as Louisiana bow hunter goes, we got some new stuff coming out on the web. We got a few new things on the website now, and we'll have more in the coming weeks. We are uh, getting some inventory out to different stores around the state that and trying to find more stores to to stock inventory as well. So uh, just encourage you to check that out, LouisianaBowHunter.com, or local retailers. If you have a local retailer, you put them in touch with us. We'd be glad to talk to them about about uh, getting them a shelf of merchandise and and uh, and doing all that thing. So we appreciate your support. If you're if you're interested in some merch, check it out. We got some new stuff on the site. We got some outlet items that were uh, some designs that were low inventory that we're getting rid of and not remaking. So uh, go check that out at Louisiana Bow Hunter, and um, you know, other than that, one of the things that we you, that we can discuss here is all three of us are shooting a different new a new bow this year, uh, new setups. So, uh, 
let's 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 go over that because um, that's something we try to do often on the podcast. So we'll just go one by one if you want to. Colin, you can go first. I uh, this year I am shooting the Phase Four Matthews Phase Four. Uh, I had, previously I had the Triax and. I think that bow was like around five or so years old and there, there was nothing wrong with it. I just, I wanted to upgrade, I guess. So I upgraded and I've been shooting it quite a bit. I actually just got it tuned yesterday. Um, and I, I like it a lot. It's, it's very dead in the hand. It's very quiet. Um, so, so I have, I have no complaints right now. What what about the what about the setup, accessory wise, rest sights and all that kind of stuff? So drop the the Matthews integrate drop away rest. I did not buy the two hundred and sixty dollars stabilizer that <laughs> comes with it, the bridge lock. I didn't buy that. Uh, I just bought I think last year's model because the it, the bow is so so dead in the hand. I shot it with the bridge lock and. Maybe some other people can notice a difference, but I didn't notice a difference. So I saved a couple pennies and got the flatline stabilizer from last year. Um, stabilizer, rest, the sight. I have a Spot Hog Fast Eddy that I'm running this year. Uh, the two pin. Liking that so far. And then as far as the arrow setup, I. I'm sure everybody's or some people will condemn me for this, but I'm shooting an extremely light arrow this year. I'm going to try it at least on some pigs and, and deer. So it's the victory extreme velocity. I think um, it's super light. My, my hunting arrow weight setup is only like 365 grains. Um, so it's extremely light. So I'm curious to see how it shoots, how it penetrates. Um, I guess the, the fear it, with it being so light is that it won't penetrate, but we'll see. I, I'm, I'll have plenty of opportunities to shoot pigs and probably some deer. So, And then Broadhead, uh, Grim Reapers this year. So boy. That is the new setup for me. Why would anybody shoot anything but a Grim Reaper? That's what I want to know. But on a side note, really quick, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but uh, Bomar released a new broadhead to yesterday. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. Did either of you see no. that? I, he talked about it on that podcast, the Hunter podcast, earlier this summer, and I remember that conversation, but I didn't see the release. So I don't know. It's, it's an expandable uh, two-blade, and it's supposed to have this crazy kinetic energy, I think, when it opens, and I don't know. It seems kind of gimmicky, but uh, I guess you got to sell something at some point. So I was just curious if y'all had seen it or not. Or worse, set your truck on fire. <laughs> hey, got to get that insurance money. <laughs> Bomar Broadhead. It's... Oh, yeah. You're going to get in trouble for saying that. (laughs) Me? No. Yeah, you. You're the one that said it. (laughs) Why? Josh Bomar's going to come beat you up. (laughs) He probably could. He's in Africa right now, so. Maybe he won't won't tune in this week and listen to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even finding it. I'm finding Sever. Here, let me see. I I did remember. It's uh, called Beast Broadheads. Beast Broadheads. Beast Broadheads. Yeah. I want to analyze this live on the air. Okay. All right. I have, let's see. So it's got it's got um, basically the the de- blades that deploy three to six and rage. I can tell, but it's got two sets yeah. of blades, so it's got one set that deploys this way, another set that deploys that way. No. No? Beast no, no. Broadhead. Eight no, inches just, of blade. Just like a, a four. Four blades. It says, our blades are aerodynamically curved for better in-flight accuracy and maximizing penetration. Curved blades are more efficient and use less energy to slice. 
Okay, that's not one I wanted to read about. This says it has the deepest, deepest penetrating, fastest deploying mechanical ever. Curved surgically blades, cur- uh, curved surgically honed blades for maximum wound channel. Patented retention system with no bands or collar. Stored energy upon stored energy in the core. It looks to me like it's got a set of blades that deploy rear, and then it's got an opposing set of blades that deploy with a shoulder, like a swacker. So it 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 it's kind of like a it it yeah it, it it's kind of like a uh, uh, a rage and a swacker had a one night stand, and uh, <laughs> this is what happened. So it says. Um... This technology or whatever it says, the technology is supposed it's supposedly in the that part that opens the broadhead, and apparently it says the force released upon impact is equivalent to six hundred and fifty miles per hour. So look, I'm showing it to you here. See? Hmm. Okay, never mind. That is the collar. See, I thought this was like two different sets of blades. Okay. Yeah. So it's it still it's the same. It's like a rage and a swacker made love. Yeah, but anyway, it's not better than it's not better than a Grim Reaper. I won't believe that <laughs> until I see it. So what are you doing? Anyway, so what are you doing this year, Levi? I've got a Hoyt VTM thirty four, uh, Hamsky, uh, Epsilon limb driven rest i'll probably never go back to cable driven rest i'm a big limb driven limb driver rest guy uh i guess the only thing i really changed up accessory wise this year is i bought the new spot hog picatinny site yeah did you know yeah i think uh i don't know if matthews has that but hoyt's got the picatinny on the front of the uh on the front of the bow and yeah, I actually really, really like it. It it gives you another up and down adjustment. Like if you just mount your just a regular old, I, I shot the hog. I still have the hog father. I I had it forever, but it mounts into a dovetail, goes on the side of your bow, and you had about, I guess, um, let me think. You can't move the dovetail obviously up and down on right. the, uh, on the riser. Well, yep. with that with that Picatinny mount, there's two spots on the rail that you can put the sight. So it gives you another up and down adjustment, and it's yeah. You know the whole deal is is you know keeping everything tight to the bow, so you're not using as much side weight or whatever. But it locks down really good, and I really like it. So I'm gonna. Before you skip over it, Levi, you have, you also, your bow is the, uh, what's like the, not the model, but like the, it's like the American flag look or whatever. What was that called? It thing is sweet. Uh, Battle, battle worn or battle torn. I think it's battle worn, but it's, uh, it's, it's an aluminum riser bow and they did a special edition. Somebody told me they only made like 1500 of them, uh, but it's it's kind of like a weathered aluminum, like it's it's kind of like a I guess it called a really dark gray color, and then like you kind of faintly see some of the aluminum like brushed on the uh, on the riser. It's it's a really really nice looking. It looks like an cool. I'm looking at a picture of it. It, it. it looks like an old urban assault weapon that's just kind of been thrown in yeah, and out yeah. of a Humvee and yeah, it's whatever yeah. It's a really, really cool bow. So interesting. Well, I had the I had the uh I had the R X seven last year and it had the Picatinny. And that is a really cool feature, the way the way they did it. I, I shot the, the Tetra. The H H A Tetra Picatinny yeah. style yeah. site. I, I kinda would it I'm I sit here and say I, I kinda expect here in the next five years that most of the major bow companies would go towards that because i i really really like it it's yeah you're taking a lot of weight 
off the side of your bow and putting it up on the front and it's the quiver your quiver can get closer to the bow you can get your quiver really tight to your riser it's it's nice isn't uh so it's um them and psc hoyt and psc have the picatinny system matthews they have the bridge lock which is goes through the riser right through the riser so it's still the same with like the whole like in line with the center of the riser like the picatinny Mm -hmm. but yeah it makes a lot of sense I kind of thought that last year. That last year, mm, my RX seven was the first, the first bow I had with that, and I thought this is probably the next. This is everything's going to move this way. It makes too yeah. much sense. Um, yeah. So what? Or what broadhead are you shooting? Um, man, either Sever or Grim Reapers. I I like the Sever broadhead. They're they're good heads. I'm I'm not really I'm I'm not scared to go shoot another broadhead. I'm not one of those guys that's gonna <laughs> lose a deer if you blame it on the broadhead. So, <laughs> I mean, you shoot them in the right spot, you're gonna kill them. So yeah, but I do I do like Grim Reapers, and I I like those severs too. One of the cool things about those sever heads that I like they uh they come with a very small Allen screw that you put in the actual broadhead mm-hmm. and locks the blades in and you can practice with the actual broadhead there's no practice head or anything like that for yeah. you take the little o-ring off that retains the blades put the little allen screw in there and you can shoot at the target and the blades won't deploy and all that so if you shot a, a good broadhead that uh you wouldn't have to because they would shoot just like your field points <laughs> <laughs> no they do they, they do shoot just like a field point grim reapers do too because you can put those practice grim reaper heads on and shoot them all day with your with your field points if your airs if your bow's tuned it's shooting good yeah well what are you shooting like? i'm doing i'm i'm like completely redo I, I like a whole new deal so i'm shooting the the bear execute 30 which is their bear's new this is um they i think it's a they they do it in a thirty and a thirty five and it's kind of their pro series whatever top of the line bow and flagship uh, model flagship that's the word I was looking for um, so I'm shooting the thirty and I've been shooting um, Trophy Ridge React one sights for a while uh, I shot the the Tetra last year only because I wanted to take advantage of the Picatinny the Picatinny rest and sight mounting system on the Hoyt. Um, so I went back to the Trophy Ridge React, but I did the digital React. And if you haven't seen this digital React, it's basically the Trophy Ridge React 1 pin slider, but it's got this digital electronic component attached to it. And I don't know how it works, but basically you can take it off and it's still just a React 1 uh regular sight with sight tape and all that but this digital component attaches to it and you calibrate it to your roll knob and so basically it it's got a digital display and it digitally shows me what yardage i'm at so um it's been a little frustrating i did and i think it was my fault but nevertheless it's my fault because it's kind of a lot a kind of a process to setting this thing up I finally got it right, but you, you essentially it's just imagine a digital electronic version of how you normally sight in a, a slider one pin. You you roll the sight all the way down or up, whichever way. Colin corrected me on this the other day. I don't know. Down or up, whichever way, and you sight your 20 in manually. And you go into the digital display and you have two pin you have two pin settings first pin second pin so you 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 roll it all the way down you set 20 as your baseline you set that as your first pin setting and then you roll the dial to 50 and you start shooting and you move the you go into the second pin and you put it in set mode and you move the dial until you get it right and the dial might say 42 or it might say 55 or whatever 
you ignore the display, you roll it till you get it right, and then you you go in there and you change that to 50, and you set it, and it, it knows, then it knows your pin gap from 20 to 100. And so, it's... I haven't I, seen that. That's interesting. I mean... Don't, uh, don't forget to charge your sight before you go out on a hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's... You have to charge your... A, <laughs> I, I, we'll see. You lost me with that. <laughs> I mean, it's supposedly, you charge it up, and it'll run. I'd, it was some ridiculous amount of time consistently on one charge. Like, I'm going to have to look it up because it's going to drive me crazy. But, um, like it's half like, a season? Yeah. Or? I mean, or, or even like as long as you potentially, uh, maybe even more than that, maybe like a full season. Of, I, also, I, don't, uh, don't forget to charge your quiver either. Yeah. I have to, <laughs> that too. <laughs> so anyway, so I got the bear execute thirty. I got the trophy ridge digital react, and um, just just a, the 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 trophy ridge sync one um, fall away. And yeah, I have I have little green LEDs. I don't even know where my quiver is. Little green LED lights in the top of my quiver that I can turn on. So when I'm, you know, like a headlamp or whatever, it is actually kind of neat and it's rechargeable. So. It's kind of neat. So, um, I had a company called Method Arrows make me custom arrows. It's their HMRs. And um, they made me a set of custom arrows. And, of course, I'm going to shoot Grim Reaper. But, uh, uh, so, yeah, this is my first year to not shoot a Hoyt in quite some time. So, I'm shooting the bear. I'm liking it. Um, I'm pretty satisfied with it, more so than... I was nervous about going away from Hoyt because I've been shooting Hoyt for so long, but I like it. Um, kind of like you, Levi. I'm not going to lose a deer because of my bow or my broadhead. You know, no, I mean, they're. I mean, they're. I'm a Hoyt guy. I've shot Hoyt my whole life, but <laughs> it matters who's behind it. Not yeah, the, ex- the shot them, execution. So. All yep. that makes a lot more. Uh, yep. Makes a whole lot yep. more difference than anything else so um but i think uh both both of you two fellows will get a chance here pretty soon to uh test that out yeah so we are and i that was i was gonna ask like i know a lot of people do a whole lot of change so levi's going on an elk hunt and a some kind of goat hunt you got to tell (laughs) us what that is i don't know goat hunt so you could tell us about that but um, and I'm planning on doing an episode here soon in the, in the first part of the season, just, you know, kind of talking more about some of these early season Western hunts that a lot of people from Louisiana do. And some of, uh, you're going Levi, Brian Chamberlain's going on a couple hunts and stuff, but, you know, in, in, in the spirit of like talking about that, but, but, you know, talking about our bows and stuff, we just set up a lot of people do a whole lot of setup change. Are you doing any of that for either of your hunts or are you just, the only thing I may do different, I've, I thought about right now. I've got my uh, five pin sight housing on my spot hog on my new spot hog site. When I go goat hunting, I may swap back to my three pin because when I come back to deer hunt, I'm gonna use my three pin to deer hunt with because I mean yeah. shooting outside of forty yards at a whitetail's just doesn't happen very often in Louisiana and I do love the three pin vertical uh if you would just move your lock ons back a little further away from your corn pile you'd be able to try some of those forty yards. (laughs) (laughs) Though you don't want to run into the fence, but you know, you can get right up close to it. Yes, that's true. Shoot him in my crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. Crossbow's archery Um, too, Levi. You're not changing any uh broadheads, Levi? No, I'll I'm probably going to shoot, uh, I think I'm going to take the Grim Reapers elk hunting, and I'm going to shoot the smaller cut ones Yeah. for elk. And then when I go goat hunting, I'll probably shoot a bigger cut. Their mountain goats are tough, but um, I've talked to several people that have been, and they shoot, they don't have a problem shooting a two-inch cut broadhead. So, hmm. Well, other than that, do you got any other hunting trips planned for the year? No, 
going elk hunting in Montana, and then uh, we actually leaving next weekend. Probably gonna leave Sunday morning really early, maybe like five or six o'clock in the morning, four or five o'clock in the morning, maybe. Uh, just since I'm gonna get up, but uh, come back and then actually goat goat hunt is September the 25th or October first few days of October maybe October 4th or something like that so it's what a 10 day hunt that's how long I'll be gone so what about um anything in Texas or no um no uh probably not gonna go to Texas this year um only thing I'll I might catch, and this was when I come back from uh, Montana, I talked to a guy I went mule deer hunting with, and I may get a over-the-counter ta- uh, antelope tag on my way back. If I if I kill an elk early, I'm driving right through his kind of domain. So if I got a day or two, I may swing in there and see if I can get me an antelope tag and see if I can go hunt for a day or two. We'll just see how that goes uh Mm. Yeah. Well, so Colin and I are leaving Friday to go to Kentucky to hunt. They they have a, their season opens September the second. So mm-hmm. um, that's Saturday. So we're gonna be doing that Kentucky velvet hunt for three or four days, and then um, I'm gonna try to hit the Missouri opener on the fifteenth of September. And then October the 1st is probably Oklahoma because we have a ranch in Oklahoma that we that we're working on and uh, have been we turkey hunted on it uh this year Levi did as well. And um we're going to be hunting up there quite a bit so kind of I guess it's a toss up between uh Louisiana uh October 1st and Oklahoma October 1st but right now we're planning to go to Oklahoma. I guess these cameras and hogs and all that may play a part. Which state do we want to kill a pig in first, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's how it seems, how it feels, anyway. Um, yeah. I'm going to try uh, to go I'm gonna try to go somewhere November, either if I don't kill a deer in Missouri or maybe Nebraska or something. I don't know. I didn't draw a Kansas tag. but Did you uh, put in or no? No, it's hard to draw when you don't put in. It's kind of like that lottery I keep talking about winning. <laughs> I've never bought a lottery okay, ticket. Well, I mean, you, I was just wondering because you drew for like eight I don't years know what, in a row. Eight, yeah, eight in a row. But it's it's supposedly it's really hard to draw now. So oh, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, our place in Oklahoma is like ten miles from the Kansas border, so yeah, yeah. it's hard to pay six hundred dollars for one deer tag in Kansas if you draw it. You know, that's yeah. and Kansas then, is and, tough now. I, I know a guy tough. that pays so much for a lease i don't remember what he pays but he's got a lease up there and i think it may have been the last two years i know it's definitely last year he hadn't even drawn a tag so you spend all that money for your lease and yeah you can't even draw well that's, that's our situation we're so invested in this oklahoma property it's like we're gonna be hunting there a lot and they're you know we're if I did hunt Kansas, it would probably be the southeastern part. So it's like, when am I going to have time to go up there and make use of a $600 tag, you know? So. Yeah. Yep. Only other thing different for me is, of course, we have our lease out in Texas. So I'll be out there a lot. I'll probably go there basically straight from Oklahoma, but or basically when we get back. Get back from Oklahoma for the opener. And then I'll head out there and um, hunt out there and get back and then start hunting in Louisiana. It'll be here before you know it. Um, yep. Hopefully, weather looks like it's trending better. Um, it's supposed to be a little bit cooler this week, at least up here where we're at. Yeah, it looks like it's getting better. Um, looks like the 100-degree days are starting to fade off and, and – get back to more normal temperatures for this time of the year. But I kind of the last thing uh, that I wanted to mention is I've read 
and I don't. It's I think they call it El Nino or something. One of those El weather, Nino or La Nina or something. I always get them confused. So I don't. You know, I have read in a couple of different places headlines pop up, and I look into it, but that we're supposed to have a have a uh, wet and potentially colder than average fall and winter. Have oh, y'all, really? Have y'all seen that? Yes. Yeah, the Farmer's Almanac said that too. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. Uh, as hot as it is, it's hard to believe that. It right is. Now. It's hard to believe. And I, I don't know. I don't have any basis for, for thinking this way, but I find myself thinking, you know, like, well, if uh, maybe since it's this dang hot that <laughs> we're going to get cold. Like it's, you know, it's hopefully gonna, uh, go the opposite direction hopefully because we didn't have any cold i mean we had one week of cold last year but nothing notable yeah I, a little bit of a little bit of rain here in the near future would be nice because i'm sure a lot of people are fixing to plant food plots and if you try planting right now i think you'd probably just be wasting your time yeah it would so. be it would be early anyway but then with yeah. the with the wet and it's funny because normally at least in my experience, we always it always starts to get dry in September, and so it's like it's been raining and everything's like ready and and the grass is thick and you got to spray it and mow it and do all that to get it ready to plant and then it's like it's been raining and you think nothing of it and then when it gets time to plant it's like shit it ain't rained in three weeks, so <laughs> we're like the exact opposite now, but I've I've gotten to where despite the cold because we don't get enough of it to even factor it in i i don't down here i don't plant until usually at least the first week of october if not the middle of october because it's just you know i i've even cut back on the amount of or how early i do a lot of like road management and stuff like that because you go out there you're just wasting time in diesel because it just grows right back in by the end of september you know, it's like yeah, that's true. You know, but this year's yep. not not this year. This year's completely different. Yeah. Some but. some some years, you know, I I planted back over here where I live behind my dad's house. Uh, we would plant. Sometimes I'd plant. You know, at end of August. Sometimes mm-hmm. I remember doing that uh, a few times, and then. Some years it pays off, and some years it's a complete disaster. It yeah. Just, I mean, the earlier you plant, the more risk you run of running into a drought or something like that and you having know, to replant and all that. The so. other thing to consider, though, and I know some people that do this. My dad is one that does it. If you if you, if all of your food plot locations are, you know, kind of have, have a lot of shade cover or or a lot of trees the leaves if you wait and plant too late the leaves cover everything up and that has some effect probably not as bad as some people would think because it holds moisture in and the grass will the grass and other plants that you do for food plots will typically push up through that but i have seen it at my dad's where we plant earlier at his place because of all the leaves we plant earlier and and because i have seen it where we've planted and the leaves covered it and it just never came up, you know, or you just a little bit of, you know, you can scrape the leaves back and see where it tries to germinate and stuff. So there is that to consider, but I don't know. I saw a, I saw a TikTok of a guy yesterday who had a food plot in the Midwest and they're in a drought kind of like we are. And so he didn't want it to go to waste. So he had, what are those, you know, those big white, uh, square crates with like the metal framing around them yeah like, like you had chemical one tanks. in your driveway yeah yeah like a chemical tank yeah he would yeah. he filled it up like a bunch of times and he would just open the uh valve and just like let it drain out into the bed of his truck and then leak out and he was just driving around his food plot basically watering his food plot with a truck because he didn't want, yeah with a truck <laughs> a big chemical uh crate because he didn't want to let him go to waste so I, I guess that's one way to do it. I remember several years ago on one of the jury series, uh, they it was one of the first or like early episodes of the season, 
where they were, you know, really kind of heavy on their early season prep and food plots and stuff, and they were going to a drought, and they actually hired a uh, tanker truck to drive out there and spray. I'm like, well, that's probably not that's that's probably not realistic for most people, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's that kind of crazy, but you know. Even the tanker truck, you know, you feel like you're doing a whole lot with, you know, that little chemical tank. But really and truly, if you spread that out over an acre, you're really not putting out any water. (laughs) It really goes. It's interesting. I know what you're saying because you look at the efficacy of of doing water like that and and you realize that it's not doing nearly as much as, I guess, it looks when it's in that bulk Mm -hmm. set up like that. But and that just goes to show you, it's kind of crazy when you think about how much water rain is act, even a, a a normal rain, not even a a heavy rain. How much rain it's actually, how much water it's actually spreading across the landscape. You know that that's mm-hmm. always been kind of interesting to me. But anyway, well, um, this isn't going to be a real long episode. Just kind of a kickstart to season six, and uh, again, just encourage you to go to LouisianaBowHunter.com and and check out some of the new merch check it out at the local retailers and get in touch with us if you have any um recommendations for things you want to hear on this podcast or different kind of merchandise you'd like to see us potentially come out with and uh if you're not already a member encourage you to go uh sign up for our facebook community group that group is very large at this point and we do monitor it and uh pretty heavily to make sure that it stays um you know, free of a bunch of junk and, and, and just authentically people talking about bow hunting and bow hunting in Louisiana and stuff like that. Um, encourage people to go join that and um, just be looking for us to drop episodes once a week and uh, kind of on our same schedule. And I guess with that being said, is there anything you guys would like to close out with? Yeah, back to our water discussion. Oh. Sorry, uh, I did the outro way too soon. My bad. Go ahead, Levi. You could have stopped but, uh, me. <laughs> sorry. Back to the water discussion. This is just a quick fact. If you wanted to do one inch, put one inch of water over one acre of land, it would take about 27,000 gallons of water. So, food how big, So, how big is a tanker truck? Yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's see. Um, I mean, I'm like sure there's a, different sizes. Like but a trailer, a trailer. No, this was like truck. a. No, this was like a. Like a tandem water truck. Yeah, it's I mean, just, yeah, like it a, was like a like a fire fire station truck. You know, like a thirty five. How many? Uh, how many gallons, Levi? Twenty seven thousand. Okay. Let's see. Like, like a. I'll tell you this. Like we. I mean, we got water trucks like tandem axled water trucks for our for what we for highway work and stuff and they're four thousand gallons a yeah 18 wheeler tanker trailer will be like eight thousand to ten thousand gallons so that's three of those so if you wanted to use the chemical crate like we talked about Mm -hmm. and you had a one acre food plot and you wanted to simulate one inch of rain you only would have to make 98 trips of refilling it Only go. 98 trips, and that'll, and the, that'll get you watered. And nice. if you're doing that in a water with a water hose out beside your house, the <laughs> water company's going to show up the next day and have something to say to you about that. Yes. That's crazy. All right. Anything else to close with? No luck. <laughs> what about fun fact, facts for the days over? Our new segment on the podcast, we'll give it a jingle. Right, that's right. <laughs> Levi's fun fact. <laughs> we'll do that every week. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing this year. Yep, Levi's fun fact. New for season six of the Louisiana Bowhunter podcast. All right, guys, uh, make sure you check us out. Uh, LouisianaBowhunter.com, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can email us at info at LouisianaBowhunter.com or you can fill out the little contact form on the website if you have anything that you want to share with us or tell us or ask us to do or ask us not to do 
or whatnot. Thank you for listening. Thank you for we'll listening be back to next week's week. episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week. Thank you.